Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hi everyone, it's Jamie Raven and you are listening to the Successful Mentalist podcast. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Successful Mentalist podcast. Today we are joined by somebody who, I'm not lying when I say this, changed my life in magic. Now, I'm not sure Jamie knows this to to this extent, but many, many years ago... um, I actually saw Jamie on on Britain's Got Talent and... uh, at that moment there, I started digging deeper into, into Jamie's work and actually what he has going on. And for for one reason or another, it led to me genuinely believing like, okay, magic is an actual thing. Magic is a potentiality, like as a, a job, it's something that people can genuinely do. And, and in the nicest way possible, Jamie, you weren't somebody that I'd, I'd actually heard of beforehand. And when I saw you on Britain's Got Talent, it was like, this seems to be regular people and then everything since britain's got talent kind of happened your career spiraled out of out of control and and all of these amazing things that we're going to talk about in this episode but genuinely i just want to say thank you before we go anywhere for inspiring my little brain to actually take this to the next uh to the next level and actually chase something that i was interested in but enough of me talking jamie welcome to the show Thank you, thank you for having me. And just, just firstly, but I, I can't tell you how how much of an honour um, it is to to hear things like that. I, I, I'm a big believer that if you love something, if you care for something, you have a duty to try to leave it in a better place when you go than it was when you found it. Whether you succeed is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if you do that. I just think if you care for something enough, you should try. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to have done, you know, some magic like we all do, um, just to like a slightly bigger audience than most, um, and to, to have been able to inspire someone to love the art that I love um, is is immensely honourable, and it's it's just it's there's no no greater source of pride. So sincerely, man, I really appreciate that, and I'm just I'm just delighted. And here we are, all those years later, on your podcast, man. It's been a it's a joy. It's it's like everything's come full circle. I still remember like actually uh, for you for you for you it has yeah for oh, me yeah. it's gone sharply downhill but yeah for you it's come back it's gone backwards reversed oh dear well it was uh, it was a few years on from um from Britain's Got Talent you were you were actually performing in The Illusionists and I remember I went with my dad to come oh, and see God, you there oh what's that oh how embarrassing oh who's right. that handsome man in the middle there oh God that's so embarrassing isn't it how did that get there the strategic poster like put everybody back. you know you know like get authors well. you know authors they have like their book just just there in the background or the or the or the, or the one award you've ever won like just conveniently placed. It's always like when people go to Blackpool and um, they take a picture on the train and they get a really bad neck just for one second, just so you can see the first class seat behind them. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Always, always makes me chuckle. Oh, my neck's so bad. I'll just take this quick selfie. Oh, it's better now. <laughs> that's literally it. That's every Blackpool attendee ever. Oh, that's, what I, that's all I've ever done. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Well, I, as I was just saying, like from a few years after Britain's Got Talent, I remember I came with my dad to, to the Illusionists to actually watch uh, you there. And I still remember it, it was like a magical moment that we never addressed. I was literally saying to my dad, like, there are two people on this lineup that if I could ever meet, I would love it. And it was Jamie Raven and Kevin James. Everyone was clearing out of the theatre. And as we stood up to actually leave after everyone had gone, literally the both of you guys walked straight into the circle. It was like a weird moment. but Well, I, I heard you say that to your dad. So I thought I'd come out and I thought I'd grab Kevin and do it for you. But... <laughs> ah! Absolutely love it. Anyway, like, there's enough of me fangirling over of actually having you here. We are alone. No, you, carry, you, carry, you, you carry on, mate. You carry on. It's like the ego inflating there. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. Oh, but look, let's let's jump straight in and talk where, where things first started in in my understanding of you and, and Britain's Got Talent. How was that? Where were you before Britain's Got Talent, actually? That'd be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, so so I'd been... So when I did Britain's Got Talent, it was in uh, 2015. So I auditioned, I'll never forget, it was February the 15th. And it was uh, the Dominion Theatre. I did it and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And I was 33 years old at the time. And when I went to that audition, I'd been performing magic professionally since I was 20. So I'd been doing it for 13 years at that point, um, doing what most of us will know is, you know, close up or what I would call cabaret. So it's not really theatre shows because the audiences were never big enough. But like if you do a function and you end up standing up and you do a bit for a room of like one, two, three, four, five hundred people, something like that. Um, so I, yeah, to go wind the clock back a bit, I went to university. Um, I went to University of Bath, which was lovely, thrilled, love that. Um, I went, I just turned 18 because my birthday's at the very end of August. So when I was at school, I was always one of the the um, younger ones because my mum had the choice of whether I was the youngest in the year or, or I'd wait back a year and be the oldest. And um, she decided I should, um, you know, give it a crack with the um, the older kids. So I did that. And then as a result, I'd finished. I graduated. as so I finished my um, sorry A-levels when I was, um, how old was I then? 17. So I went when I was 18. I did a three-year degree. I did an economics degree in Bath. But my birthday's in August, but I graduated in the May. So I was 20 when I graduated. Um, and along the way, I'd met a guy who was like an events planner, party planner. And I started doing magic uh, for money when I was then, when I was about 20. And it's a barring about six months where I had various different jobs sort of temping in and out just when I finished university. It's all I've ever done. So from, from the age of 21, I've been um, um, a full-time professional magician working in the trenches. See how many cliches I can drop in here. Real world work. Um, so it was, um, I started off and it was just close up. So all I did was, you know, parties, weddings, um, anything at all and then one day I was at a function and they had a celebrity after dinner speaker who I'm not going to say who it was um but I was about 23 at the time something like that and they said oh that the the after dinner speaker hasn't turned up um he's missed his flight could you do like a show that everybody could watch and I was like yeah do it all the time no problem lie I've never done it before in my life um but I knew a couple of gags I knew I could get away with it and um, so I was doing like 15 minutes. It was in Dublin, I remember. And I went and did it. And then a, a guy came up to me afterwards and said, oh, that's amazing. Yes, I've never seen anything like that before. And I'm thinking, neither have I, mate. I only made it up 10 minutes ago. But anyway, and it turns out he was a somebody. And he he books, like all they booked was like after dinner speaker. So it was normally like Steve Redgrave or some Olympic gold medalist or, you know, a, a politician or whatever. And they were moving into like the world of sort of entertainment. So they had a couple of comedians and he said, oh, could you come and uh, do some stuff for us? I was like, yeah, no problem. So for a while I did sort of like, all close up and then a few sort of like stand-up shows then it sort of then it sort of sort of the line sort of shifted and I did sort of like half and half and then by the time I did Britain's Got Talent I was still doing a couple of close-up things but it was mainly if I had sort of 10 jobs maybe eight of them would be sort of like stand-up stuff 
Um, but when we did Britain's Got Talent, I was working with a guy called Russ at the time and, and we decided to go for like the close-up idea um, because it hadn't been done there before. So I, I believe, I'm right in saying, I was the first one who, who I'm not saying I'm the first magician to do close-up on Britain's Got Talent, but it was certainly one of the first ones that got aired. So people would have done it in the years previously. And what we what we managed to negotiate was that the back wall of the, the stage at the Dominion Theatre would be a, a, an LED wall. So basically, if I did a close-up trick for the judges, everyone in the room, could see it there's two and a half thousand people at the Dominion Theatre so the person at the back of the room ironically got a better view than you know the judges you were performing in front of um, and that was the plan with that and yeah it worked out okay that's a pretty incredible journey there and what I'm really curious to know is this like when you was performing like all those years back like how did you honestly find it because I know there's so many magicians and they kind of jump into the the idea of like yeah i want to do it full time they go for it and then they get to this point and they're like i don't really know where to go and there's a lot of confusion and they feel like they need to hustle away and grind and in reality that just burns you out and it's just not what you need to do so i'm really curious to know from your experience what it was like all those years back what was it like for you yeah well i think sometimes people fall in love with an idea um and which is great and amazing and you should have dreams and you should chase anything always chase a rainbow like anyone can do anything i'm a big believer in that and not unfortunately not everyone succeeds in everything they want um because there has to be sort of an element of luck along the way but you also you need to have the skill to do it and you need to put yourself in the right place at the right time so fundamentally anyone who wants to work doing magic for a living needs to work you need to do the work so you actually need to do shows so the question then is well how do you get the shows that's that's the sort of million dollar question and it changes over time. So if I was going to start again now, I'd do everything differently to what I did back then. So let's just imagine we're, we're winding the clock back now. So I'm 21 years old, so 17 years ago. So we're like with the early 2000s, Google had, had come around and it, it wasn't as big as it is now, but that was a thing. Um, but when I first started, I was thinking, well, how am I going to do shows? Well, no one knows who I am, right? They'll get to know who I am if I do a show because I can give them cards and I get to know, but how am I going to get those shows originally? So what I did was um i'd get like the yellow pages or uh, i'd go on like um what was like alta vista or yahoo like the search engines that were massive before google came along and i just googled like events planners venues anyone who'd have anything to do with organizing like entertainment for events and it's this simple i just call them and i'd say hi my name is jamie i'm a magician um i'm having my website rebranded i've just come back from shows abroad Ooh, that was a lie website's been redone Ooh, didn't have one that was a lie Ooh business cards rebranding didn't have any but what i thought was if i could meet them and go and show them what i did i'm not saying they'd give me gigs but i would at least get on their radar so i'd go and i'd meet them i'd do it anyway i used to limit it to like 50 a day i'd call 50 a day because they'd all say the same thing they'd all say we'll put you on file we'll put you on file and i used to say to my dad i was like, oh, it's great i'm on another 50 files and he was like mate they're just they're not interested they're just saying that they're just getting you off the phone so, but you gotta keep trying so I'd knock on each door knock on enough doors and i'd call them i said oh my name's jay my magician could i come and show you what i do um, and eventually one or two said yes and then I'd go and meet them and I'd always say I'm not, I'm not trying to steal work from anybody else I don't think anyone should ever do that I'm not a believer in undercutting I'm not a believer in if someone if a friend of yours has a client and they give you a job and then that client asks for you to do a job that's cool if they want you but don't don't go out and, and be honest with your friend as well tell them what's gone on because if they want you specifically for something it might have been something that you've done that's great but don't steal things from other, especially work. It's so hard to get in the first place. And you have to respect everyone. And it, it sort of comes full circle in the end. Um, but I used to go and meet people. And I'd say, look, I'm, I'm fully aware you've got people on your books already. But one day they might be busy, uh, all the guys you have. Maybe you're, you know, they'll be busy enough. They'll have too many inquiries. So 
that was what I did. So I started, and I remember I must, I, I've called thousands. I mean, literally thousands. And I'd start like where I lived and I took the circle sort of slowly grows. Cause if you want to work, like basically it's never a bad idea to start with like town centers. So like if you live near London or anywhere within like 40 miles of London, just start there because there are so many parties there are so many events going on. Obviously given, forget what's happened in the last couple of years, but by and large, any densely populated area is just going to have more stuff going on. If you live up Manchester or Liverpool, or anywhere like that. So that's what I did. I just started. I used to call people. Um, and then that got me some gigs. So I started doing, and I'd do like maybe one every month or two a month, whatever. And then uh, if you can get a residency, like in a restaurant or something, number one, it's amazing to, to like work on your material and like work on your craft, but also you get work out of it. So if you go and do stuff and you meet people, the more people that know who you are, you can give out cards to everyone. And I used to have a debate with friends of mine. It'd be like, well, do you hand out business cards to everyone? And my answer was always, yeah, always. But I know who I am. I don't, there's no point having a drawer full of like 5,000 business cards. So what I do, rather than just saying, hi, everyone, here's my card, give me a call. When I finished doing it, I'd always say in like a little set, like close up. I'd say, guys, if you enjoyed that, thank you to City. My name's Jamie, here's a card. You never know. I said, if you didn't enjoy it, take one anyway and give it to someone that you don't like. And then we all win, right? But then you're like literally giving them your card. Because if you do magic for someone, if you think about this like in quite a romantic sense, if you do a trick that really blows them away, they're going, oh my God, that's amazing. They're like, they're not thinking in three years, I'll be 40 and I want that guy at my party. What might happen in a few years, they'll go, oh, we had a magician. What was his name at that party? Can't remember. Then they'll just Google someone else. But if you've given them your card, then they at least they've got it. They might keep it. They might call you. They might not. But I'm, I'm a big believer in that, keeping them out. Um, and especially nowadays with social media, it's so easy. Like I've, I'm not, I'm not, if someone follows me, I'll follow them back. Do you know what I mean? Especially if it's work related. Do you know what I mean? I know people are sometimes a bit precious about having more followers than people they follow, but it means a big deal to people. Like if they follow you and you follow them back, it's, it's, it's cool. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's how I started. And um, I used to go out and I'd do gigs and I used to give out loads and loads of cards and then the work sort of generates itself. So I view like every show as like an audition for like a hundred people and if you can't get like one show out of, you know, every gig, not a problem, maybe every other gig, it just becomes self-perpetuating. Like you never need to advertise. You never, obviously I'm not saying not to do that, but I'm just saying if you could get to that position, you'd never need to because you do a show, someone there will book you at some point in the future. Even if it's 10 years away, it doesn't matter. Every show leads to another show. So you're always working. Um, and then what happened to me was um, in 2004, I think it was, I was in Dubai and I was on uh, on the TV that I had in the hotel room had the internet, like which I'd never seen before. So I was on Google and I just searched magician in on the Google on, in Dubai on the TV and something called sponsored like ads come up or um, what's it called? Now? I haven't done it for a while. Well, you pay per click. So, you know, the um, AdWords, Google AdWords, that's it. So basically you could pay. Right. So at the time you could have a website done and you'd need someone really clever with codes to write your website. So that when someone typed in magician in London, yours would come to the top. And that'd be great until Google changed their algorithms and then someone else would have to do it and then they'd work on a bit. And I thought, I'll just streamline it, just streamline it. I'll just pay. I'll just pay to get to the top. So I, I worked it out. And at one point I was spending about £500 a week on um, Google AdWords. It was about £100 a day I'd spend. And it would be just words like magician or... Because if you type in magician in London and you pay for the word magician, you appear there anyway. I could put in like negative words. So if it was like magician in outer Mongolia... I'm not really interested in going to outer Mongolia, you know, when I was charging sort of 500 pounds at a time, it wasn't really worth it. So there were those sort of negative ones you could put in. Um, but yeah, for every, every sort of hundred pounds I'd spend, it used to generate me about 500 or a thousand. So it would like, I'd, I'd spend a lot, but it would, you know, I'd reap a lot. So I was spending like, if you spend 500 pounds a week, it's two and a half grand a month uh, times up by 12, you know, you, you're looking into spending quite a lot of money, but if you're getting work out of it, it, it makes sense. So for every, every, you know, 500 pound I spent, I'd make sort of like 
1500 or two grand out of it and that's how i how i viewed it and then by being at the top there's also a perception even though you pay to be at the top people just think you're the best even though you're not do you know what i mean it's like not not claiming to be but just there's just a perception about you being there so you must be good to get up there whether you know people think oh they've got so much money that they can afford this which is not the case at all um or whether it's oh we must have the best website or this or that whatever it may be um but that's how i did i'm not saying it's the same now because i've not done it for 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 years because obviously my my life's changed since then but that's what i did back in the day um so yeah it started off just calling people uh, and then i just paid to get to the top of google adwords and that that was it and then you know if you're doing something right because the same people book you over and over again so if you work for like an events company they'll keep calling you and there's one company that i've done I think I've done like 155, something like that events. Every time we do a contract, they've got a little number at the top of it. And it's like, if you're, if you're doing a good job for people, they'll, they'll have you back. And if you go to shows and, or you do a gig and someone asks you a card, you do a party because the guy met you at the other, the other party, you know, you're doing something right. And it was sort of a, a mixture of all those things that, that, that got me working. And then um, Britain's Got Talent, the, when Britain's Got Talent started, I did the ninth series. They'd called me as they do lots of people. They, they do their calls and they ask people, do you want to go on it? Do you want to do this? And year one, I said no, because I didn't know what Britain's Got Talent was. Um, so I watched it and magic wasn't really given a very fair shake. So then they called next year. Do you want to do it? No, thanks. Next year? No, thanks. Next year? No, thanks. I'm not interested at all because they just weren't fair on magicians. You watch the early stuff. And then what happened was like David Penn was the first magician. I think got to the semifinal. And then the year after him, James Moore got to the semifinal as well. And then, uh, then Darcy got to the final, Darcy Oak. And he's the first one. He's a mate of mine. He's the first one that got to the final as like a magician. Um, and then what happened for me, you know, I always watched America's Got Talent because America's Got Talent was commissioned first. Simon Cowell tried to get Britain's Got Talent commissioned and they didn't go for it. So they did it in America. It worked. And then they commissioned BGT afterwards. So by and large, whatever does well on America's Got Talent tends to do well on Britain's Got Talent. And uh, Matt Franco won America's Got Talent that year. Um, so they said, oh, uh, they'd, they'd called me before and they said, do you want to do it? I said, no. Um, and then Russ called me and said, oh, do you want to do it? And I was like, not really. I'm not really interested. And then we had a chat and sat down because, um, do you know Duncan Trillo, who does Corporate Magicians and Magic Week? You know the website Magic Week? It's a gentleman called Duncan Trillo runs it. And Duncan is Russ's best mate. Du- Duncan, by pure coincidence, lives about five minutes away from me here. Um, and what had happened was Russ was asking him about like magicians and on corporate magicians, which you might know what it is, it's a directory of magicians. You send up your profile. It's like on the magic circle, like find a magician page. You put your picture up and you, you know, write a bit of blurb about yourself. Um, and I had a really cool picture done years ago. And Duncan messaged me when um, I got the picture done. Said, oh, I see a lot of photos. This one's really cool. And um, if you can be bothered to have a look, I don't even know if it's still up there, but it was, it was, I wanted a picture that said I was a magician, but without like the normal, like standing there with cards in front of your face, we're doing this, we're doing that. And I went and chatted to a mate of mine. He said, well, what you can do, if you stand with your legs crossed over, so like one leg crosses the other um, and you have the cards like face down, do something with your other hand. And it's sort of people will see the cards and they'll see that. So what I did was I just doused a load of cards in lighter fluid and just set fire to them one at a time. So I was like looking at the card that was on fire. Um, anyway, that was a photo. Duncan saw it. And then uh, he always said to me, like, that was a really cool photo like at the time. And then years later, Russ was talking to him about because he'd, he'd done uh, James Moore Russ managed him at the time and uh, he said he wanted to do Britain's Got Talent and James got Russ in the door at Britain's Got Talent and then the next year when Darcy did it the conversation came about Russ helping Darcy do it and then the next year sort of it progressed and then it got to the point where he was like oh maybe you know I can get people involved so um, he asked me if I'd be interested I said no um, we met up with each other had a chat and then yeah that was it the rest is history What I particularly love is how like how genuine that journey is it's like the the traditional journey it's not like you had this extra little leverage or that you had this 
career before Britain's Got Talent that was something different to everything else. It was literally a case of you just work through normal human magic stuff until yeah. you got to the point that it was like great. Yeah, because what what had happened was I'd I'd not come become bored with it, but I was doing a lot of gigs. So, but the December two thousand and fourteen. I would always stop working the Saturday night, whatever the Saturday closest to Christmas was. So if Christmas was, I don't know, Wednesday, that that Saturday would be Tuesday, Monday, Sunday. It would be about the 20th or 21st. That's when I'd always stop. I just had that in my head. That's what I'd do. And then I, I wouldn't do anything again until like New Year's Eve if, if the money was good. But um, I remember I did 40, like 42, 43 like gigs one December. And that was from like the first to like the 22nd. So it was at least two a day. And it would be like, sometimes it'd be close up in the afternoon, then like a show in the evening. Sometimes it'd be a show on both. It was rarely close up on both, but it was always, I was always getting back late and I was always starting early again. Um, and I remember I did it and I was just like, I love it. But it was getting to the point where I was sort of falling out of love with it because you just do the same thing over and over again. Obviously, when you're doing that many things, you have to have like a system and a set that works. But I, I, I just, I always work on new things. I'm sure we all do. We all love magic. So we're always working on bits and you throw new bits in, but it, it really was becoming a chore, like a job to do it. And I was thinking, well, either I've got to work a bit less or, you know, find something else. So me and my, my, my close friend, Paul Martin, set up an agency. Um, and we were, we used to, we used to get loads of gigs. So we'd, we'd pass them off to our friends in return. They'd give us one back, but it never worked out like that. We were always passing off loads more than we were getting back. So we thought, well, no problem. We'll just set up an agency and we'll get it. If we can't do it, we'll just take a commission. Um, so that's what we were doing. And that's probably where I would have headed. You no, know, it's like the Britain's Got Talent thing. I was, I was, when we decided to do it, I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. And if that works out, you know, another avenue might open. If it doesn't, that's where I imagine I would have, you know, gone down. Because people ask me all the time, well, if that hadn't happened, what would have happened? And I was like, that's I can't I don't know but that's probably what would have happened I was I still loved it but I, I'd still have done like the shows like the cabaret ones or like the, the stand-up ones but I wouldn't have done as many I'd have done maybe like one a week or you know two a week or whatever and then I'd have just been sort of like an agent sort of thing um but yeah it didn't sort of pan out that way so yeah <laughs> well I mean look let's talk on that then like Britain's Got Talent went incredibly well for you it was it was great I mean second place that's happy with that that's that's pretty cool top of my species <laughs> no human beat me oh i love that. that that makes me laugh every time when that when i started seeing that roll out on your promo materials i was like just this guy knows what he's doing it's great but i mean let, let, let's address the elephant in the room where like if anybody's not seen your britain's got talent acts by all means pause this podcast like go and watch obviously you guys watching live uh don't run away but make it a, a habit open up the tab to go and watch jamie's performances uh on youtube but the first set that you did, your audition, that got a little bit of media. That got a, a yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Could you talk us through what that was like in in your head? Oh, look, this is it, another prop. Fantastic. And for those that aren't actually uh, seeing this, the the headline right there being along the lines of Simon uh, Cowell and eleven million fans were tricked by a ten pounds magic kit. The truth is, I paid Dave Bonzel £12 for that as well. So, you know, joke's on them. <laughs> <laughs> even better, even better. But look, what was what was that like as soon as you started seeing that appear everywhere? Because, I mean, truth be told, me and Ashley spoke about this uh, a few days ago. Like, we, we'd have just absolutely flipped. We would have had no idea what to do whatsoever. How did you handle that? Well, the thing is, though, it's like, if you if you enter a show like Britain's Got Talent or you go on like one of the biggest TV shows in the country... 
honestly, if you don't expect that that could happen, you're going in with your eyes shut. You're, you're being foolish because if it works, magic, the whole, the whole point of magic is that I say to, we all say, I'm a magician, right? I am not a magician. I'm an actor pretending to be a magician, as we all are. Okay. Now, however you choose to present it, if you want to convince everyone that what you're doing is for real, that's cool. I'm never saying that, but I'm also not saying that. I'm, I'm always, it's very, you know, it's blurry. It's a blurry picture. If someone says, how have I done it? I'm never going to tell them how I've done it, obviously, but I, not obviously, but I'm, I'm not going to, I, I might ask, how do you think I've done it? And the whole point about magic is that if people don't care, if people don't try to work out what you've done, you haven't been interesting enough to them. Honestly, that's it. So if you do a show and people just sit there and they clap and they never think another second about it ever again, to me, that's a shame because with magic, you have the chance to give someone something to think about, something they to see that they may never have seen before. They may never see again. And it's like singers, you know, singers dance, sorry, singers sing, um, dancers dance, comedians tell jokes and make people laugh. The, the job of a magician, as well as to entertain, is to make people think. And it's like, like when I finished doing a show, obviously I want everyone to go, that was amazing. I really enjoyed it. That was funny. I've, I've had a brilliant time. I've much rather, I've had such a great time watching this, more so than I would have done had I not watched this. But I'm a magician. So at the end of the day, I want people to think, but how's he done that? How's he done that? And with things like this, if you do a trick, whenever you perform a trick for anybody, like if it's close up or it's on stage or whatever, if people don't go away afterwards and try to work it out, you either haven't fooled them, and I don't like the word fool, but let, let, let's use it for now. Like, trick, I don't like either, but either you haven't, you haven't done something that they, haven't, that they can't explain, right? And that's what magic is. And then it's human nature. People are always going to, people can't sleep at night unless they rationalize themselves somehow. So there's a thing like close up, I used to love doing with them. I love doing like metal bending, like forks and spoons and whatnot. But my, my, one of my favorites is always like coins. So, like, I'd say to people, oh, have you got any change? Like, I do a fork or a spoon or whatever. And I'd say, have you got any change I could borrow? Because I, I could do it with like, your house key or your door key, but obviously you won't be able to get home later. Um, so, and sometimes I'd do it with that as well if I had a spare one. But the whole point about a coin, right? Imagine this, right? Someone gives you their change, right? Their coin genuinely from their pocket. You ask them to write, and if they've got their own Sharpie or any pen, fine. They write with their pen or your pen, their initials on their coin. It is genuinely the same coin. They put it in their hand. And when it's open again, it's now bent, right? And they can't unbend it, right? There is no logical explanation for that, right? Because they can't undo it. You know, if those who know, know it, there are various methods by which you can achieve this. But that's one thing I always think about. It's like with card tricks, card tricks to me are, are, are entertainment. And I use them usually when I'm performing as a, as a convincer that I have, I have skill to get people's interest. And then I move into other things because unfortunately with, with all card tricks, by and large, they can all be explained with one sentence, and that is sleight of hand, right? Now, they're not always right, but when, when, when someone watching what you do thinks they're right, it's as good as them being right. So I don't care how good your ambitious card routine is. I don't care how quick your pass is. I don't care any of that. When the card goes in the middle and it jumps to the top again, they will say sleight of hand. Now, it may not be right. You may have some gimmicks, you may have whatever, but in their head, that's right. So I always look for how many moments do you have in your act, which cannot be explained by sleight of hand. Because if I take a five pound note and I fold it up and I unfold it into a 50 pound note, it's amazing, but they'll go sleight of hand, right? They're, technically they're right. It is, you know, it's magically what it's doing, but they can explain that as sleight of hand. If you do um, a newspaper, you rip up a newspaper and you put it back together again, that's now slightly more not the case because it's like, well, that can't be sleight of hand because if it's been ripped up, like how have you put the piece, like sleight of hand hasn't made those pieces go back together again. And then you move down the line. 
if you borrow a, a, like a banknote from someone or a, a anything and you sign it and it vanishes and then they've been holding on to an orange, right? You then cut open the orange and inside there's an egg, like an actual egg, right? And then you crack the egg and inside there's a walnut and it's sealed and they crack the walnut open and their money's inside that. That's not sleight of hand because I haven't done that. Obviously, we know what the method is, but in the eyes of the person watching it, they can't just explain it away. It can't just be brushed away as, oh, he was quick with his hands because they opened it. They cut open the orange. They cut open the egg. They crack the walnut. Obviously, there's a method involved. There's a couple of steps in between that they're not aware of that have happened. Um, so it's with that in mind. It's like that's how I try to approach most things. Um, and if people are interested in what you're doing, they're going to talk about it. And that's exactly what you want. It's like Yuri Geller always said, if people write about you, said if it's nice, read it, treasure it, frame it. If it's not so nice, just measure it. Because the, as far as I'm aware, I'm the only magician in this country that has ever had the front page of the Daily Star about a trick, that I, a card trick, card two, that got that, right? And it's like, that's probably one of the things I'm proudest of because a national newspaper has decided that on that day, there was nothing they thought would sell more newspapers than, you know, their theory on how that particular trick had worked. And it's because they cared, because they wanted to know, like Simon Cowell had said, like, whether he meant it or not, but he said, like, some people believe in ghosts. I now actually believe in magic, right? Now, regardless of whether he meant it or not, he said it. And his opinion matters in this world of like ITV television. So when he said that, people are interested now. And that's, um, I take it, it's immensely, I take great pride out of it. So whenever anyone tries to explain about anything, if I do a trick on Instagram or Facebook, immediately you get loads of love and you get loads of hate. Of course you do. And it's like, you've done it this way, you've done it that way, you've done it this way. So what? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no. You're, it's a free world. You can write, I'm not one of these people. I don't write back. If people say like negative stuff or anything, I don't write back to them. I just like everything, which I think just annoys people even more. But I find that quite amusing. But it's like, you're entitled to your opinion. If you think a magic trick has worked in such and such a way, you are well within your rights. Plaster it all over my Facebook. I don't care. I do care that you're writing it. The fact that you've written it, that's what I care about. So I think if you don't, if you don't like me personally, I'm not saying to be right on this, but if you're performing magic, that should be what you want. That should be your goal. As many people as possible talking about you and what they've done. And the other thing that Yuri Geller said is that it doesn't matter like what people write about you as long as they spell your name right. Do you know what I mean? So I've got Jamie Raven. That's my real name as well. So I've got an unusual name. So, um, yeah, I've won twice there. <laughs> That's particularly brilliant. And what I love most, we can look at the same context of what you sent, said about Google AdWords. You're spending, what, £500 a week on Google AdWords, yet what you've got from... That newspaper article, you spent zero pounds on that. Yeah, that's worth way more than 500 pounds a week for that massive amount of marketing. And what I particularly appreciate about this, because I know it is a big problem that the magicians have, they, they get very nervous, like uh, working pros like me and Aiden, like they, they will get very like nervous about like performing uh, beginners semi-professionals hobbyists they get really nervous about people like working out how the trick's done and even when it is online like you said people commenting like methods or or displaying hate or anything like that but i love the fact of how you've reframed it in your mind to just say hey that person whoever's wrote that whoever's wrote that article left a comment they've taken their time out of their day to talk to me or to talk about me and that's a real interesting mindset if, shift that you've his, got going on there. His, 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 yeah, no, he, uh, uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Here's the thing to look at, though. It's like if you are doing something and it evokes a reaction, you're doing it right. 
it doesn't matter. Obviously, you don't want people, everyone to go, that was rubbish. I know exactly how you did it. There's a difference between like, that was awful. Hate you. I don't like what you're doing. You really, like if someone said to me, oh, your tricks are all right, but I don't like you as a person. That's not good enough for me. Like, I'd much rather say, I really like your guy, but you know, I really like you, but the magic's rubbish. You know what I mean? Because like, I, I don't, I'm, magic is entertainment. We're, we're here to entertain people. And it's like, if anyone ever performs a trick or if anyone ever does anything in such a way, singers, comedians, whatever, I know certain comedians, you know, do things with certain reactions, which is cool. That's their, that's their gimmick. But I want people to, I want people to enjoy the journey of the trick as much as the trick at the end. Um, obviously, ultimately I want them to go, well, how's he done that? But it's, it's, it's the journey that gets you there. That's just as important, especially if you're touring, if you're doing a two hour show and people are buying tickets to come and watch you in a theater in another country, you know, they've given you the most valuable commodity they have, right? Which is time. Someone gives you their time. They, there is no more you can ask of a person. So especially when you're doing like, you know, theater shows or whatever, they could be anywhere else. They've spent money. They've chosen, they've driven to get to you, come to watch you. So your job is to make sure they enjoy that as much as they can. So you're an entertainer first and foremost. As a magician, though, yeah, your job, I, I honestly believe it. Your job is to make people think and to question. And people will be nervous, right? You, you'll be nervous. And I want to come to that in a minute. Nerves and excitement, there's a difference. But you're nervous if people are watching because you're worried they're going to find out the method, right? Now, that's natural, right? Sometimes, though, it's not nerves. It's excitement, right? You're nervous for something if you're scared. If you're doing an exam and you haven't revised, you're scared because you don't know how it's going to go. And rightly so, because you haven't put the work in. If you have revised, though, that feeling of butterflies is because you care, because you want to do the best you can, because you know it could lead to better things afterwards. And it's like when I do a show on stage, I'm not nervous. I'm never nervous because I've worked too hard. I've rehearsed too much. I know everything I'm going to say. I know everything I'm going to do. I'm excited because I want it to be the best that it can be. And that's that's there's a difference. And it's a, it's a, it's a mindset thing. Again, if you think positively about this is good, I think this is going to be brilliant because this is what I love. And, you know, however you want to frame it but you don't go out there being scared because you've got butterflies in your stomach that can happen because you're excited because you want to share with everyone what you love and what you spent all your time working and doing and there's 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 a difference um i think it's important to remember that because also remember as well when you first start performing people are scared people tend to shake a bit when they like doing card things and stuff. the only way to get over that is to keep doing it you have to keep doing it and if if you're trying to do these really complex slides and stuff Maybe that's just not for you. It doesn't mean magic's not for you. It just means that particular thing. So like, I can't, you know, manipulate cars like Dan and Dave Buck. Right? I don't want to. It's not, that's not me. It's like, you know, you can shin limb what he does. It's amazing, right? That's him. It suits him. It doesn't suit me. What suits me is being me. And that's another really important thing for like when people are learning magic. It's like music. You start learning the scales, right? So you learn what the notes sound like. You start by playing other people's music. And then there comes a point if you want to, you create your own music. And there are only so many notes in a scale. As in magic, there's only so many ideas, so many plots and premises. Something appears, it disappears. Something's destroyed, it's put back together again. If you're a mind reader, I meant information moves around. Whether I think of something and you predict it, whether you draw a picture and I've got one in my bookcase by me, whatever it may be. The point is, is you doing it your way. And that's, you know, don't ever strive to be the next Darren Brown or the next David Copfield or Jamie Raven or Ashley Green or whoever it might be. Try to make everyone else want to be you. Not saying that you want anyone to be you, but what I'm saying is you have to you have to go down your own path because I promise you, you will only ever be the second best. You'll only be second best. Like I do things all the time. Like I have, I have a running joke with Dave, um, who does uh, prop dog, right? So when I'm touring, we used to play a game and the game would be, he'd have to guess where in the country I was the night before because the next day 
the orders that would come in were for what people thought I'd done the night before, right? Which is it's amazing. It's, like, it's flattering because the orders come in. Were you in Newcastle last night? I was. Why did you say that? Because so-and-so has people, so many people have ordered such a thing, which is amazing. The tricks, they're all of ours. That, you know, the idea of doing a trip with a banknote doesn't belong to you. The idea of doing a trip with a newspaper doesn't belong to me. But you can't do the newspaper trick that I do because you haven't got a story written about you. You know, that's why it works for me. But on the flip side, I'm not you. I don't have your loves. I don't have your passion. You might love music or playing the piano, and I don't have that. So for me to try to, you know, do something along those lines, it doesn't work because... I'm not you. Um, so it's like magic. Magic is a gift for all in terms of like premise and, and, and effect. But what is important, I always think, is you've got to be you. You've got, you've got to find your own way of doing things. And it's, sometimes it's trial and error. So like I've, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to do tricks. Like I've seen other people do things. And there's a really good book. It's called Steal Like an Artist. Right? I can't remember who wrote it. I read it really years ago. And basically, I'll save you four hours. The, the, the premise is this. When you see someone who you like watching a performer, and it could be a musician, it can be a dancer, it can be a, 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 mag a magician, don't steal what they do. Steal what it is that they do that, that, that you like. For example, Michael Jackson, I watched him doing a concert in Barcelona, right? Everyone's just whipped into a frenzy before he starts anyway. The lights go out. Everyone goes nuts because they know the show's about to start. He comes up from a riser in the middle of the stage, jumps up in the air, stands still just on his toes, just stands still. For like a minute right doesn't move and the longer this goes on for the more whipped everyone gets into a frenzy and i'm looking at that i'm going how can i use that like how can i use that with magic and what i came to the conclusion was it's the same as comedy right when a comedian tells a joke people understand it at different rates so you might get it and then you might get it and then i might get it and someone else might get it the point is people laugh at different times so if you have an audience laughing don't say another word until the last person has finished laughing, right? Same as magic. When you do a trick and people are going, ah, and they're clapping and you can hear it's like lighting litmus paper. Sometimes it, it like, it's like a fire goes across a room and you can hear it and people are clapping. And I'm not a fan of going, well, thank you, thank you, stop, 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 stop. Let people applaud, let them do it. And if it means you cut a trick out of your show at the end, just cut a trick out, let people applaud, but don't say anything until people have stopped because you're just standing there because people want to show their gratitude. That's how we express like our delight when we're watching something. Um, so that's, um, if you're interested, steal like an artist, but I'll save you the time. Just don't steal people's acts. Steal what it is that they do that you like. And I don't mean their scripts or their, it's the way they do it, the way they do. Um, so yeah, that's a freebie on me. I had a, um, a little question on that and I, I love the idea and the analogy of you gone like it's like a fire spreading across the audience because this is something which me and Aiden have spoke about to so many performers that idea of like slowing down like we watch so many magic shows and it's just like trick 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 and I, I, I'm watching that I'm like I don't know what's happened like I'm lost like where are we what, what's going on so yeah like sometimes slowing down it allows people to rightly as you said like get that thinking time in but one of the things i was really interested to ask you was about kind of just like being yourself like what what you've spent a lot of time on here what was your process how did you go to discover who you truly were and then allow that to shine through your performance yeah so a very good question um i think if you if you want to be like a performer that's true to yourself you have to be like for me and i'm not saying this is right or wrong i'm well i'm just saying this is this is the way that i do it. i think to myself what do i like when i watch a magic show what do i like right what do i want to see 
and that's who I become. Right, that's the performer that I'm going to create. So I like to laugh. I like I like clever jokes. I'm I'm not a fan of like swearing for the sake of swearing to get a laugh. Don't get me wrong. I, I swear occasionally, but there's always a, if I'm performing on a theatre show, it's never when there's kids there. But there's always a moment like if, if I'm doing something, I've got um, an adult up or a kid up. And the routine is like, let's say, for example, I've got a piece of rope, right? And I want them to cut it into two equal pieces. And just so they cut it, I move it and they're, you know, they're not quite the same length. So I go, it's all right, we'll fix it. If you just mark your fingers there, we can cut it and then they'll be the same length. But then I give it another tug. So now it's even worse than before. And the kids start making, they're trying to fix it, but they can't quite. And I might look at the audience and go, I'm not saying anything. I'm letting them infer what I'm saying. And it's, it's, it's clearly a joke. Not at the kid, it's just of the non the nonsensical situation we find ourselves in that we've clearly marked it. It should be there, but how how's it even work? You made it worse. Like what's going on? So in answer to like, you know, creating your own performing style, it's like that was sorry, get excited there. That was that's how I adopted it. I thought to myself, well, I want I want to be a reflection of what I like to watch when I perform. So I like I like magic tricks. I love magic, really good magic tricks. I've got a real big thing about this thing as well, like how many moments in your act can can the audience not just say a slight of hand, even if they're wrong. Like, just think about it now what you do. Like, like mentalism is a little bit different, but I, I this is something I'll cover to in a minute. Like, I just used to do a mentalist act. Like, I was just like a mind reader. Like, that's all I did because when I was traveling, it was so easy to carry around. But it's not my love. Like, I love I love doing mentalism effects, but I don't dress them up as mentalism in that sense. I like magic. I like I like visually impossible things happening. So, for example, if I do do mentalism stuff, Paul and I came up with like a bank night routine. It's it's three envelopes and you're going to say the audience is going to win um, and they're going to win five pounds and they do win five pounds. Because my issue with most bank nights is that you've got five losers in the audience and the magician is the winner. I never like that premise. Like you're going to get the credit for it anyway. Let them win. Do you know what I mean? So that's a mentalism routine. Um, and it's just really like a play on words. And there's a method to it so that you never fail. But that's that's something that I might do. Um, Angelo um, Carbone came up with a thing. It's called Cue the Magic, where you, the spectator reads the cue cards. It's, it's, it's fundamentally an invisible deck routine or a thought of card or whatever. But they get the credit because they read all the cards. And it's, they choose someone in the audience. What's your name? Name a card. I had a funny feeling earlier on, blah, blah, blah. And I put it in this envelope. And I'm like, well, don't look at me. I didn't put it in there. And then he takes out and then they've chosen the same card that that person made, and they get all the credit for it. But obviously you get the credit because you, you've made it happen. So that's how I sort of perform mentalism stuff. The, the reason I sort of shied away from it, I've never been comfortable with the idea of you think of a word. Okay. I'm going to work it out from you. Now, the truth of the matter is I know what the word is because I might have a clever method or I know, I know what it is. I've never been comfortable with um like Darren's a master of it, like the idea of like the golden truth. So when people nod, oh, you've nodded a couple of times there, or that's a plosive sound, a B or a P or whatever. Oh, that's a good. It just didn't work for me. I didn't like it at all. So like for me to do it, I never felt comfortable doing it. So like we were talking earlier about being nervous and doing stuff. Sometimes you are nervous. I was always nervous for that, genuinely scared because I didn't know what I was going to say. I just like, I talk a lot anyway, but I didn't know what I was going to say. Like I was, I wasn't in control and I'm happy when I'm in control and I'm in control of doing like magic. So that's why I sort of do it um and it was it was just something that i never i tried to make it work it's like a magic square for example right which is for any i'm sure everyone knows what it is but if you don't know what it is just google it it's an incredible thing a grid 16 numbers or you can have more that someone either thinks of a number or they shout out a number and the top row adds the next row adds the next row adds, and all the columns add and the, the horizontals whatnot. and i tried for ages to come up with a way like i'd ask someone to think of a number and somehow i'd divine it with all these numbers and look at this look at that look at this look at that and in the end i thought 
do you know what? It just doesn't work for me. So I used to use it as like a warm up exercise for myself. So I'd say to the audience, right, it's important that obviously that I'm good. It's important that you're good. We'll do a little thing with you. Put your arms like this, turn your hands over. Now I've got to get warmed up. Someone give me a number between, you know, 20 and 100. And then I do this thing and I just basically just, just bang it out and go, right, that's that. Cool. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And that was just my way of doing that. So it wasn't really a mentalism effect. It was just, I wasn't, you know, working out what number they'd chosen. It was just me sort of demonstrating some sort of rapid calculation to get myself ready for the show, in inverted commas. But in the end, I just fell out of love with that as well. So I just, you know, I just, I just moved away from that because now, like, I open my shows with the newspapers. I come out and I do all my jokes and this and that. And, the other, and I'm going to start with this. And then I, everyone looks at the newspaper and they read the headline. And even if they don't know, like, my story, although I've told them about it and they've seen a video about it, um, when they say, Cowden, 11 million fans, fooled by a £10 magic kit. And then the camera looks at me and I just go, and it just gets a laugh because, and then I rip it up and put it back together again. Um, and then I, then I move on because that's the sort of the visual side of things that, that I love. And it's, do I love watching mentalism over magic? No, I don't. I prefer watching magic. Do, Darren Brown is the exception to that rule. But anyone who does anything well, I'm, I'm a massive fan of. But if I was given the choice between the two, magic's what, magic's what I love. Um, so that was, for me, how I sort of tried to sculpt myself. And I was trying to make a reflection of the act that I would want to, to go to see. And then obviously you have to have your own personality in there. So the jokes that I tell, the jokes that me, real life Jamie finds funny. Like if I think something's funny, that's, that's what I want to do in the show. I won't say something that I don't find funny, even though it might get a laugh, because I think you've got to stay, you know, you've got to stay true to yourself. Um, but that's, that's how I did it. And, and it came about, like I said, it used to just be a mind reading thing because that's what I thought, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I realized it wasn't. So then I changed it all. And now I, I don't do much. I mean, I do like in one of the tours, I was doing like a chair testing. So I love this idea about coincidences and things that happened. And if you ever get a minute, Google Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy and see all the coincidences that happened between them. And there was loads of them. And I read this article and I looked into doing a routine about coincidence. Like the idea was, could I engineer a situation that was so unlikely that it was likely that no one would ever see it again? Um, and it started off with that Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy um, parody. And then it was like a chair test. And when people came up, they'd be given an emoji rather than a name badge and they'd sit down. And then I had a picture of myself, like a color match thing. So they, while I was blindfolded, which I genuinely was, um, they'd take a pen and they'd color in a bit of this. And there's this and that and the other. Um, and then, you know, my my name badge had a drawing and it was matched the colors that they'd drawn and then the name badges all matched to the chairs they were sitting in and they'd previously chosen something else and it all sort of worked out so that is a mentalism idea um so but it's not me reading someone's mind i haven't gone you know think of a word in a book and i'll divine it from you i've always preferred it to be the other way around like people make decisions and then i've sort of preempted what they might be because then i've always found that's just I remember once I said to, like to a lady, oh, can you write down, you know, the name of your first pet or your boyfriend or whatever it might have been? And she's gone, let's say she's written down Jeff, right? G-E-O-F-F. I'm going, right, think about this. And it's, like, oh, that's a Google, that's a G, -G, -G that's a J or a G, is that right? And she nods, oh, you nodded there, so it must be a G. And obviously English, it must be like a vowel after. So if you could just say A-E-I-O-U out loud, A-E, oh, that's interesting, E-O, it's got to be, is that Jeff? She's like, yeah. And I got a round of applause. And it was like, they just assumed it was a skill that I had. I was able to read their their body language what would have been much more impressive would have to me would have been if i'd have gone think of the name of the first person you know you ever had a crush on and she goes jeff and she writes it down on a bit of paper and i say what have you written that on and she goes a bit of paper i go no 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 it's a card it's a birthday card and then you open it up and it's her birthday and it says to rebecca happy birthday sorry i've not seen you in so long or my love jeff and it's like now it's the same trick 
but it's just it's been flipped around and that was always what i i found was the best way for me to do it not for everyone um, but yeah in a roundabout way i hope that makes some sort of sense well no it really does it just shows that you've first of all again tried the stuff out there you've actually been you've done the work you've put the hours in you've tested xyz to find out what works you've you've not just done a routine decided it didn't play very well binned it moved on like it's been this this, this gentle ebb and flow of of adjustments refinements. what's what's what what i found but what what i love about so when i perform like i think people have to be comfortable to be the best you can be at anything you've got to be comfortable in what you're doing and to be comfortable, you have to have, like, as a magician, you have to have the methods down. Like, you have to have no fear that anyone's going to work out the methods that you're doing. But also, like, for me, because I talk, I'm a pataract, so like, like most of us are, you have to know every word you're going to say, and you have to know when you're going to say it. And the first sentence is always, that like, I always think the most important, like, when you come out, just to get yourself into your rhythm. And then you find what tricks work for you. So when I first started, like I said, I did a mind reading act, like a mentalist act, so I could walk around with, you know, a bag of cards and pens and a you know, whatever, whatever gimmicks I'm using at the time. And I'd do it. And that was cool. And then um, I decided that really wasn't what I was into. And so I moved into sort of the magic world. And then we did Britain's Got Talent. And I was touring. Then we did The Illusionist. And all of a sudden, I had the means and like the finance available to buy, like all these props and illusions and stuff. Illusions, I love watching when they're done well, like Hands Clock or Copperfield. It's not me. I'll do one or two in a show if, if I think it's got the right sort of thing. But it just isn't me. Like, isn't me. Um but sometimes they are. So there's a routine I do with a kid, like Wayne Dobson came up with it. It's called Echo. Um, and it's the same thing as the cue, the magic. But you get a kid and you whisper in the kid's ear and he's like, or she's like the ventriloquist dummy. They're just repeating what you say. And basically a kid does a card trick and they ask me to choose one and I sign my name on it, I put it back and then it disappears and they don't know how it's disappeared. And then the line at the end is, bear when I'm whispering in their ear and they'll go, um, for the first time, please name your card. And I'll go, the four of hearts. And they'll go, it can't be. And I'll go, why not? because i'm sitting on it and then they're sitting on a, a yagano stool and the kid then floats up in the air and then the card's under it. so that's where i'll use an illusion like when the kid's doing it it's not me going like it's just that's not me like you know people some people do it very well i don't um so that's where i would i'd, I'd throw that in but like as the years go by and i do i do have these things and they're in warehouses and stuff and i do have props and i do have the means to get you know if i wanted something i could go and get it now um I, went, I was in Saudi Arabia like last week and I had to do, I had to take enough stuff to do like 45 minute show. And what I took was a newspaper, a piece of rope, no scissors. Cause you can't take them. I bought them when I got there. Um, and a, a silk to egg, um, uh, the cue, the magic thing, uh, uh, a version of love. So Woody Arrogan's love cards, you know, we get the four cards and you rip them in half and then everyone's got eight pieces. They have a secret piece. They throw them away. I do a routine about people that I look like. So I get told I look like various famous people. So I did that. Um, and uh, multiplying boxing. And I'm looking at this little case and I'm thinking the whole lot of this, I mean, Angelo's thing, obviously, I, I also believe in supporting people who come up with the routines and stuff. So Angelo's thing, I think it, it's about 250 pounds. You pay for this cue, the magic thing, which is right. You, you pay whatever anyone wants for their work, their creation. Um, and also if you have one and you need a, a new one, a new prop, I'm a big believer. Please go and buy it from the person who created it. Give them their dues. They've come up with it. So it's there. You know, I just think, I just think that's right. Not saying you have to, I'm just saying that's why I think it's right. But I'm looking at this little case and I'm like, the whole lot of it has cost me like, I'll say 300 quid, right? And 250 of it was on Angelo's thing. And then I get back and I walk into this warehouse. I'm looking at all this stuff I'll never do ever again. And I look at it and I'm thinking to myself, why do I like this stuff? And it's like, because it allows me to get my personality across. It allows me to tell my jokes. 
and it's like and it's all it's all on me everything i do is skill based other i mean there are some gimmicks that make things a little bit easier but i do a, a rope routine it's just one piece of rope do you know what i mean it's obviously there's there's method to it and there's skill required there but it's all on me i'm not relying on like clever props to lift things off the ground i'm not doing and that's just where i felt more comfortable because i didn't like the idea that if the kids so I usually do this Spontus thing that at the table, you know, it's because Spontus 360, so a kid or someone lies down, it rises up. And every time I do it, I just, I just, I'm not in control of it. I'm relying on, you know, without giving away any method, I'm not, I'm not making them float up in the air. They are floating up in the air, but I'm not really physically doing it. I used to do it. And every time I did it, I was just, I was, I just wasn't happy at all. So then I thought, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'll find what works for me. Um, and I was fine with the kid sitting on because the method's slightly different with the kid on the stool. I'm happy with that one because I know that's OK. Um, not that that one wasn't. It's just that I just I didn't like anything that would sort of fill me with terror, because if you're waiting to do something that you don't want to do in a show, you can't help but let that come out at some point. So just be entirely happy. And if there's anything that you don't like in your act, like just have a look at why. Is it because you haven't practiced the slides for long enough? Is it because people have caught you doing the move a couple of times? If that's the case, no problem. Work on it a bit more. Maybe the move's just not right. Maybe you can't do, you know, maybe the, the video you saw it on from whatever American manufacturer of magic, maybe they weren't completely fair when they, you know, when they filmed it. Maybe the reactions they got weren't quite so genuine. Um, but if, it, if it's a method thing and you can work on that, that's amazing. Do that. But it might just not be you. It might you might you might not create like the natural beat that you need to get away with it. In which case, like, ask your magic friends. Like when you know people who know what you're doing. Like have a have a have a director. Like do your performance to someone who knows what they, what they're looking at, and then they can say, "Oh, I know what it was." There's a little bit there where you know, like if you're trying to you know a ten kaya card for example, and you leave your fingers wide open, someone might see it in between. Maybe you just close your fingers a smidgen. But it can be anything. Um, because sometimes we're, we're, we're blind to it. Like you might perform to yourself on a camera or in a mirror. Number one, you're seeing a mirror image of yourself. So you're not seeing what it actually, you'll never see what you're doing. You wouldn't, what's interesting about this, you will never see what you actually look like. You will only ever see a mirror image of it, right? So you can never see what someone else sees. So for that, just for that alone, ask someone to watch someone whose opinion you respect. Um, and like I said, if it is a method thing, you can work on it. It might be a prop. It might be whatever. There might be a better way of doing it. I don't know. But it's just like if something makes you feel or anxious or, you know, nervous, just look at it. And then, um, you know, maybe maybe decide to drop it and put something else in. And just worth a thought, I think. I love that. That's brilliant. And I think what a fantastic way to obviously round out today. And just to finish, we've had a few questions, if that's all right, like some quick fire to just bounce off from the actual people in uh, in the audience today, Jamie. Um, and the first one we've had from the wonderful Sven from Germany. And his question today is, how do you approach television appearances and how do you decide what to perform? Yeah. So TV, couple of things. If it's live, um, and you have to do it live always do what you're comfortable with and i'd always suggest you rely completely on yourself and no one else so do something that you are comfortable with that doesn't rely on some tv presenter or some celebrity who's sitting on a chat show with you because they might do whatever they everyone's there for themselves so they might do something that you know that you can't control so just be be reliant on yourself also when you get there find out what cameras are going to be on you because if you're doing a bill switch and there's a camera behind you you don't want to be doing a bill switch you know what i mean there are there are other methods you can achieve um by and large i don't like doing magic live on television 
I will do it. I have done it. But the reason I don't is that if if the wrong camera gets pushed in an editing suite somewhere when you're live, something can be exposed or flashed. So more often than not, they're more than happy for you to pre-record it. So if you're doing a live thing on a chat show or whatever, just say, no problem. I'll do loads of tricks for you, but we're going to pre-record these um, beforehand. And then they can just, they don't care when they cut to it. If it's all, they, they make it look live. So it's just pre-recording is an option. Um, first and foremost, so just make sure you're comfortable, just comfortable doing whatever you're doing. I would always shy away from things like thread or flash paper or anything like that, only because you, you just never know if it's quite well air conditioned and you're lighting a bit of flash paper and you throw it in the air, it could blow on someone. Do you know what I mean? It's like, just, just think about what you're doing and like the moving parts of it all. I'd also recommend like as little sleight of hand as possible. Cause no matter how nervous you think you're going to be, I promise you it's a million times worse. So either do things that you can do in your sleep or, you know, keep the slights down to a minimum. Um, also, if you're going to do things with newspapers and things like that, you've always got all pictures, people's images, like, um, if you're going to cut a silhouette of someone famous or whatever, always check with the people that on the TV program that you're doing it before, because you might not be allowed to use the paper or you might not be allowed to use his image. So that's what, that's what I'd say. But be comfy. Do, do, do what you're comfortable with. That's perfect. That's perfect answer. I think, I think friend's going to be happy with that. And the other one we've had is from Angus. And I think Angus was wondering if he could ask his live, if that was okay, Jamie. With pleasure. So I'm going to bring him up. Um, you might need to unmute yourself, Angus, and then I'm going to uh, bring you up so that uh, people can see. There you are. Hello, mate. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Pat. How are you? Long time. Yeah, no, it has been a while, actually. Last time I saw you was at the Magic Circle. I remember, bud. And do you remember the first time we met? Yes, it was um, through Gary Martin at the Genting Casino in um, Birmingham, wasn't it? It was, my man, yeah. it was. Which was how many years ago? Um, don't know, actually. It was quite a long time. It was shortly after I'd seen you at The Illusionists. Yeah, I reckon it was six. Six or so. What are we in now? 2022? That was in 2015. Yeah, it can't be that far like off. Something like that, yes. But no, um, more importantly, I mean, um, um, obviously the way in which you explained, you know, how you, um, you know, co contact companies and things like that um, to obviously get yourself out there. I mean, I've been doing a lot of that... Um, Lately, and how I usually do is, I mean, I research event man <clears throat> event management companies on, um, you know, local to me and that sort of thing, companies who manage events, event planners, etc. And I'd leave them a message on LinkedIn, um, you know, um, with my website, etc. Saying, you know, I write shows, um, I do shows for people with this be of interest to your company. And I've, I've obviously had got, got to Google my business profile and I mean, I've advertised myself out there with them, usually sending them a LinkedIn and emailing them. Just thought, is that sort of thing that you... Um, it's the right way to go about it. You'd um, find an event management company, you'd look get the website up, and then you'd connect with them on LinkedIn and um, contact them through that, which is sort of what, which is the way I currently do it. Just wonder what you thought. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant, mate, and I think that's, that's a great, that's definitely brilliant. I'd say there's a couple of things though that may help as well. Um, when you talk to people, uh, like on the phone or on a on a you know Skype or Zoom or whatever, there's like there's a much more personal connection than it is just sending an email or just doing whatever. So what I would suggest maybe is that like like for example, when you get an inquiry from someone, the odds are they're not just inquiring to you. The odds are they're inquiring to a few people, and it normally boils down to a couple of things. Budget is usually you know semi important, but you tend to find people don't mind paying a little bit more if you've quoted more than someone else if they if they like you. Um, how do you make them like you right when they don't know you? Well. 
you make them get to know you. So rather than just replying with an email, what I would always do with an inquiry, I'd phone people and I'd speak to them on the phone because most people nowadays, they won't do that. They'll just, they'll have a generic email they just sent back because you don't need, the irony of performing magic for a whole room of people and people don't like talking to the person who's going to pay them on the phone. Do you know what I mean? I always think that's quite amusing. What, what, what I used to do, so when I used to get inquiries, I used to, if it was in London, I lived in London, I'd offer to go and meet people like for free and i'd go and see them and now things have changed a little bit so you could do a zoom thing do a few bits on zoom but if you can do magic in the flesh to people and it will start happening again um if you can meet them and show them what you do and you're the only one that's done that immediately your magic's better than everyone else because they're the only one they, that they've seen what i would say as well is like with the linkedin and stuff like we've all got instagram and facebook and twitter and whatnot on on like your instagram if you film yourself like film a couple of bits that you really like so like for me like if i was going to do it, i'd do like my extreme burn with the britain's got talent you know judges and i do my newspaper thing and i might do like bits of a rope routine or like you know not not the whole act but just little bits when you meet people as well as well as the linkedin and the website nowadays sometimes if people look at it on their phone they'll like they might you know i'm not a fan of looking at websites on my phone and i'm out a lot but if someone sends me their instagram i'll go straight on that and have a look and it's like so it's worth just putting some stuff like you can pin it to the top or you can send them like if you just make sure that like the some of you just it doesn't have to be many but just some tricks that you do are always like quite high at the top of your you know you, you know how your instagram's got your little grid and every time you post everything moves slowly further down and it can be the same stuff you can you can take you know i'm not saying delete your old post or anything i'm just saying just if there is things on there that people can just see straight away because we're in a culture nowadays where if someone sends me this is this is what i'm like if you send me a whatsapp and it's a video if it is longer than 30 seconds i won't even watch it I won't even consider watching it. It's too much of my life to spend a minute watching what could be the funniest thing that day. But if you do it for me in like 30 seconds, bang, love it. So with that in mind, as well as like maybe put them on your website as well. Um, if I was going to, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying this is what I do. I don't do this. Um, this isn't what I do. Like, And it's only because I'm in a very fortunate position now that I, I've done my sort of 20 years of that. So I've just, I, I just work in slightly different circles now. But if I was going to do it again, um that's what i think i'd do and like things like tiktok like it doesn't matter how many followers you've got it doesn't matter you know how many you know interaction it's purely a, a means to show people what you're doing so 100 percent do that angus and fantastic question there and jamie fantastic answers as always like superstar going super in depth with these which is you know we're so grateful for but, you know, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the podcast, Jamie. You've been an absolute star. You've shared such a variety of various different information. So thank you for being so open, transparent, and actually sharing everything that goes in your brain or on in your world. To quickly round up, finish it off, is there anything you want to say to the listeners? We've got an audience in 101 countries now around the world. First of all, where can they find you? And is there a message you'd like to finish on? Yeah. So, well, first of all, um, thank you for, for, for tuning in. Like wherever you are, we all, we all love the same thing. Like we all love magic and we all love mentalism and, and the, the art of, you know, sharing the impossible is what we all fall in love with. And so like you guys, Aiden, actually do such a great job doing this to, to expand that and, and allow more people to, to experience it, which is amazing. Just, yeah. Thank you for tuning in and for sharing like the love of the art that we all have. Um, if anyone is interested, yeah, Google's a good place. It's Jamie Raven. Um, and on social media, everything is at Jamie Raven Magic, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Tinder, Grinder. I'm on them all. Come and look me up. Oh, yeah. At Jamie Raven on OnlyFans as well. Uh, no, not yet. Not yet, buddy. Maybe when the work dries up. <laughs> not Give me yet. A few you years. heard it here first. It's coming. It's coming soon. <laughs> well, Jamie, you've been an absolute superstar. Thank you so much for coming on the Cheers podcast. I'm sure we'll see you soon.
You take care. Look forward to it. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum and we'll send you all of the details.